is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. And so the week begins. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Dirk Brandeo, David Sisboomba, Sammy McKee. Glad everybody's aboard for the next two hours mm-hmm. as we continue the roller coaster of your Toronto Maple Leafs. Doesn't it feel like the Ryan O'Reilly trade with St. Louis was like a million years ago? Yeah, we were saying that the other day there were 18 guys in the lineup. He'd been on the Leafs longer than five of them. You know, he had only played eight games or seven at the time, but yeah. And it's, it's just the feel of this roller coaster of emotion yeah. for Leaf fans. And or Sammy, where <laughs> he's our barometer. You 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 feel great. You love the trades. You love the depth. You love the feel that this could be more of a playoff team than we've seen in the last five or six years. And then you go into Edmonton, and you that's feel as bad horrible. As they've looked right. They were horrible awful, in Edmonton. Awful. Then you come back and you have a playoff kind of look. It wasn't a great win, but it was a a workmanlike mentality win in Calgary. Yeah, it's a road win. They won in Seattle. Oh, yeah, after the trade deadline, you're right. right. Calgary was next. Calgary was next. I mean, the third period there was so, apparently the best they'd ever been. And you're talking about now guys starting to f- get to know each other and starting to feel good again. And then you go in Saturday night in Vancouver. Could that have gone worse? And now you've the roller coasters again, kind of low end. Well, maybe just stuck. Yeah. You know how sometimes they they leave them <laughs> yeah. halfway up the hill. They got a big ladder like, out right now. Like it's like it's not moving, and you're looking <laughs> down, and you're like, "Hey, buddy, you with that big stick, can you push it forward and get us up the hill?" No. Like, it's going to be a wait to get up the hill again. And that's before the fun part where we are today, or is it even worse feeling knowing that Ryan O'Reilly, according to Sheldon Keefe now out with a broken finger going on LTIR, we assume that probably a surgery will come into play in the next little while. Maybe let some swelling down. Yeah. Most often than not, you got to put a pin in something like that. Wasn't a, wasn't a wrist shot from, you know, someone else on the team. It was a one-timed Austin Matthews kaboom, unfortunately. So, yes, I can see that happening. Okay, before we dive into what this means for the Toronto Maple Leafs, let's go to Sheldon Kiefer, our first Kippers Clipper of the Week. Give us uh, an update on ROR. Uh, he has a broken finger. He'll go on LTI. And, you know, in terms of the full diagnosis and, and timeline, we'll have a better idea of that. He's seeing a specialist, I think, as we speak back in Toronto right now. So we'll know more about it there. But obviously, I'm not sure exactly what the LTI timeline is, but he won't be eligible um, for that period of time. And we'll uh, get him back up and running as soon as we can. It sucks. Four to six weeks. Yeah. Kipper, can I ask you before, Standard. before we get any further into the show? Yeah. What's going on with those headphones, buddy? 
Yeah. <laughs> I, mine blew. Uh, mine blew. Yeah. Are those elastic bands on there? What's going on? These are no word of a lie. Like four bucks at Dollarama. <laughs> I'm the dinosaur. I can't believe you paid that much. Well, I didn't. I, I think my daughter had them in her room, and I'm like. Uh, they're not being used. Yoink. Yeah. They really look like they're tu- $4, don't <laughs> you they? You pay her tuition. That's uh, you're, you're justified in taking those. Oh, my God. The Ryan O'Reilly thing, though, <laughs> if I may. You know what really sucks is the inability to... I'm starting to look like what's-her-name from Star Wars <laughs> with Princess Leia. <laughs> don't I, don't I look like Princess Leia? I, I needed this today, boys. What was it? Your- <laughs> I'm getting rid of them now. You're really, you're really making me feel like... Conscientious of uh, being a big loser right now. Whatever, they're fine. Um, do you want the big bucket headphones? We can go to those at break. Let's Plow just on. take it to break. Plow on. What sucks is that we don't get to see Rhino the diff- the lines what they could look like. You know the the big excuse right now is continuity and a lack of continuity, and no one's played together before, and it's all very new and yada yada. And now you don't get. To be in the formation for any length of time, you're going to be figuring out one another in the playoffs. So I think it's a bit of a bummer from that aspect. There are some upside, like O'Reilly can at least rest his old 32-year-old man frame now and you know try to be ready to go, but it just stinks for figuring out lines and stuff. No? Yeah, no, I get all of that. I I just think when I watched even before Ryan Riley got hurt, like the mixing and the matching and the overthinking of what you can do, it's like you try to put every possible combination together so in true. like a week. Yeah. And I'm like, just would you relax? Take a deep breath, Sheldon, please. You know, my son's never really had pop before. We took him to the movies the other day. I was like, what kind do you want to try? And he was like, mix them all. <laughs> Put them all in a cup. You know? That's your first mistake right there. Well, but I this is called cheap. swamp water. I, we, it is, but it's like you never get to figure out what one of them tastes like. Or you could have done is it the metaphor. our way. My way is I told all my kids when they were really young that they're allergic to pop. And if they drink it, they could die. <laughs> and they... I kept them off it till about ten or eleven when they figured out yeah. Dad's lying. Charlie's six, you know. He's still still just had his debut pop experience not long ago, but that's a nice one. I may lean on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, I just, I didn't, I, I, I just wish you would have left it alone. And you know, I'm, I, I remember vividly telling you. The game in Buffalo, yeah. where they were so good. Ryan O'Reilly, Tavares, and Marner. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they, they have a couple more games like that. You, uh, how can you split them up? Mm-hmm. And then the very next night, they're not yeah. together. And we know why. Because they wanted to get 34 going. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They were, For sure. 34 was not happy. They weren't probably happy with him. They're like, okay, we're going to... Put Marner, the the whisper, with Matthews, and we'll get him going now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just just over overthinking, like I said. Yeah, and like reach that conclusion really quick. They played that great game in Buffalo, and it was like, okay, we know we can count on that. What else do we have? Where it had only been a couple of games, you know. So yeah, there, there's you can quibble with that. I really thought eleven and seven the second time was just too much. 
you know, too much inconsistency. The pairs were all scrambled. Maybe the idea was going into it. We'll see if anyone has this crazy, wild, natural chemistry, and we'll say, okay, well, maybe those guys can work together. In the end, you just didn't get to see any real looks, and you tried all the flavors of pop all at once. Yeah, it just, it really feels like over-tinkering constantly. It's like me trying to set my fantasy football lineup on a Sunday morning, just tinkering with it at all times. Like, oh, maybe this will look good here. Yeah. I think you need to have some continuity, and now it's going to be impossible to get it because Ryan O'Reilly's hurt until probably game one, right? So we, it's going to yeah. be really hard. We'd said the best center depth in the league, or some people had called it that, and now they're out Tavares, out O'Reilly. Matthews took one off the knee. God, that would have hurt. Lafferty's playing center. Holmberg's back up. Things took a serious turn. All right, let's, uh, before we dive into anything deeper, let's go to Sheldon Keefon. Also, as JB just mentioned moments ago, Tavares out of the lineup. John's just, just not feeling himself today. Um, not feeling great. Uh, wanted to skate and see exactly where he's at, and, and he got through it and was feeling a little bit better than he had thought. But I think just more so for him uh, out of an abundance of caution, we'll We'll leave him out of, out of the lineup for tomorrow and get him ready for Saturday. Is there extra concern because of the hits he took on Saturday? Well, I think you're a little, little bit more mindful of it, but it's there's more. I mean, there's a lot more. I mean, there's a bug going around. We've been traveling a lot, and all these there's lots happening there. So we just, again, want to be sure. He got through the entire practice today and felt good, but I think more so on our side of it uh, than his. We just say, you know, let's, let's just... Um, be cautious on this one, and uh, as long as he continues to progress well, he'll be ready to go for Saturday. Didn't he skate today and finish Tested. the skate? Yeah. yeah, he was on the ice. Usually you don't if there's a bug going around. Well, that's, you know, I, I tweeted something about concussion, possible concussion for Tavares. We're all, like, trying not to say it, but, like, come on. And not the, feeling great? Yeah, not Is that feel- the new term? He's for- not feeling himself today. He went out there to test it. You don't go test a cold. You don't go test, you know. A bug? Yeah. You don't test that. You test how your brain feels when you had it rattled really, really hard twice in a row the night before. I actually think the second hit probably doesn't happen if the first hit isn't as bad as it is. He got rocked. Okay, like, like, what is he thinking? He's well, going to go now. In the league. He's, the same he's the going to now, like, go toe drag in the middle of the ice. Really? John, really? Yeah, that's what he does. Yeah. That's well, kind he's got to stop. That's kind of his game. Yeah, he's it's been no toe, good. He's been toe-dragging his whole career. No good. No good. He got Dang. absolutely blown up. Tyler Myers, best hit of his career. But, yeah, so it's like there's no doubt that's what they're waiting on with him now, Listen, in my mind. John's a very good scorer, but that's when you need a room strong enough to go up to – John Tavares and say, and maybe it was Ryan O'Reilly. Maybe that was the guy that was finally going to go up to a few of these guys and just say, hey, John, we don't need the toe drag in the middle of the ice. Come on, your buddy gets creamed. You're going to say, I think he learned, he figured it out there, right? You're not going to go up to pile on after he gets drilled and say. No, no, no. Okay, then the the pass through the seam that got picked off for the shorthanded goal. Maybe, you know, there there are times when you just got to, not take a chance in the middle of the ice. Yeah. Sam said something earlier today where it was like, you know, not saying this is the the case, but like, do you think there's any chance they just want to get Tavares to step back and take a night off? Like, you know, almost like load management. Cause he got, I mean, he was terrible, you know, and it could be related to the hit that he took early in the game, but that's as bad a game as I've seen Tavares play. So 
that could be part of it where it's just like he's not 100%, he's 90%. We would healthy scratch him if we could because he was that bad, but let's just give him a day here. Reassess. You know, I, I would think that you're almost on to something. And then there's the complete opposite where you watch Saturday night Austin go down mm-hmm. and he's hurting. Isn't that the time where you go, all right, we're up on Tampa Bay quite comfortably. They they suck right now. They they can't get it going. Mm-hmm. Like, why not just leave Austin in the dressing room the rest of the game? Why why bring him out at 70, uh, 75%? Yeah. He's not skating well. You can tell he's laboring, but we're going to bring him back out because we dressed 11. Really? I think so. And, and O'Reilly left too, right? Like they were down. They would have been down to 10. So what? Finish the game yeah. with seven. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Why Why? Why bring him out? You know, it's the, the thing where the, you'd ask the player if they're hurt and he probably says he's fine. Like, and I agree that optically he's not fine. And yeah, he didn't look fine. good to me at all. And... Who, Matthews or? Oh, Matthews. Can you, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, you can. Okay, cool. Yeah. I just... Yeah, the Tavares one, looking back on it, if you have that so-called concussion spotter or whatever, probably should have spotted him after what that What do they say you do here? Yeah, that, uh, like, are you not around? Like, yeah. how does he not get looked at? And I think them probably, a big part of them not saying this is a concussion. Is that, is that he stayed in. That he stayed and he played the whole game. Yep. And they're probably a little bit. You know, you think about the Leafs as this forward-thinking franchise that doesn't make these kind of mistakes and thinks that they're, you know, the cat's meow when it comes to doing this kind of stuff. And having their captain play the full game with a possible concussion is a horrible look, and now they're trying to walk back. I mean, I don't want to make assumptions, but from a 10,000-foot view, it seems like a pretty easy parallel to draw. Yeah. I agree. No, I think it's a good point. I really do. It's, uh, It's unfortunate. It is, Sammy. You're you're 100. It's just these mixed messages are just, uh, yeah. It really lends to like guys to come on. Too emotional here. Are you just too emotional mm-hmm. on all of it? Just take a deep breath. Yeah, yeah. You know, like this is. You know, it's such a good point because if you, you're you proactive with this stuff and you say, we just didn't want John to play the rest of the game just in case. He's fine. No one bats an eye, you know. We're going to get home ice advantage. Right. Here. And if you said, hey, you know, why would we risk Austin? He took one in the knee. We're just, he's fine, but we're going to give him the rest of the, we gave him the rest of the day. It's fine. But you're right. There is this constant pressing. I also like the fact that it challenges the rest of your lineup. Well, now they're going to be challenged. Right. <laughs> But in that moment, yeah. I liked it. I yeah. liked it. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And I do, you know, I, I think they, they had needed to be proactive because even now, still, you dial this back and they've had some bad things happen. It's not a major crisis for the Leafs. You mentioned in the playoffs, we know they're playing Tampa Bay. You know, they'll probably get home ice. Maybe they won't, but whatever. You know, like they're going to have Tavares. They're going to have O'Reilly. It's okay. You just would have liked to seen a little more precaution, I think, on the Leafs' behalf. But again, dressing 11 handcuffed them, and that decision now looks not great. Yeah, they are, they're five points up on Tampa, and they've played the same amount of games. 
By the way, uh, the, in the last 18 games in Vancouver, the Canucks are 16-2 and two against the Leafs. That's okay. remarkable. And, like, the Leafs have been good for seven years now. That's with two dynamos offensively and Marner and Matthews. And the Canucks and have stunk. That's, honestly, that, if you're a Canucks fan, that's all you got. It's oh, like you're just you're hanging. You affected the course of the Leaf season, and yeah, it's like they get to they, they keep they, this up. They win their Super Bowl every year there. They every year the biggest team in the league goes in there and they get to chant "Leaf suck" and they win <laughs> and they're all fired up. You now they're doing that little organ and they say "Leaf suck." Yeah. It's like here they go. Who are they playing? Canucks keep oh. this up. They're going to get their 7 p.m. local start oh, on I Saturday night. I don't know. That might be a step too far. <laughs> <laughs> Sports they may not want it given Sports the success that's going 7 p.m. Vancouver time next Saturday listen, night against the Leafs. Listen, I've been to a 4 p.m. Leafs game there. It's awesome. Oh, man. It's they like got you to go, go out you that go night before, Saturday like, night. Uh, we went out, Allie and I went out for dinner after. We went to a party, and then we went to a bar after that, all after the Leaf game. Every Saturday night hockey game should start at 4 o'clock. It's a great time for hockey. <laughs> what an awful call. <laughs> Tavares did manage to get a power play goal. There's the good news. Great finish. The bad news is he gave it right back. Two shorthanded goals. Never been done before in Vancouver Canuck history, I think, on one penalty. And... Uh, we're we're a bit of a broken record. How how long have we talked about this power play that statistically is a top power play? Mm-hmm. But like we've been mentioning for a very long time that this power play, you can't trust it. You don't know what you're gonna get with it. And Saturday night, it buried them. Did it did bury them. They got one goal on it, but they give up two shorties going the other way. Again, Tavares just not making good decisions after that, and I do think it's related, but, you know, again, that's assumption. But, yeah, I don't know, Kipper. Like, well, I don't know what to even suggest differently. Just watching it, it's just baffling. Like, it was a different look having Nylander on that flank. Like, they, you know, were at least in some different spots. Gustafson's getting time with the second group. Presumably, if they fall apart in postseason, they're going to him. Like, he'll get in if they're not scoring through a few games. Yeah. So, if it gets down to going to him, it's over. I mean, he's he's produced on the power play for years. He, it's the thing he can do. Maybe you go to seven at that point, and he's just a field goal kicker. He comes out in the power play and runs power play shifts. So in the three games since the deadline, the Leafs have scored two, two, and one, right? They scored two against Edmonton, two against Calgary, and one on Saturday against Vancouver. I like where you're going. Did they address the wrong thing? Like, this is this just a cold stretch? And, like, you're confident that the scoring is going to get back here? But it's it has been very hard for them to, you know, score. I know that I know Demko was good on Saturday night, but they had a lot of chances still. I, I don't know. I just... They're creating nothing at five on five. It feels Except dry flames. at the moment, yeah. offensively. I think it's a huge concern. So the last five, remember the other day I talked about high danger chances. They've had lots of games in the 20s and whatever. The last five games are 5, 10, 1, 7, 6. Like they're consistently high teens usually and just not creating anything in the last five games. The upside is that they're not trying to win regular season games where it's wide open against bad teams. The hope is that the type of chances they create are still getting created in the playoffs when it's harder to get somewhere. But I think the offense looks tough right now. Yeah, there there is some expectation, I think, with with Lafferty to to come in and, and chip in with the odd goal here. Yeah. Yeah. 
And well, they're giving him a look. Second line center with Willie Nylander today. Willie Nylander, Lafferty, and Yarncroc, I believe. Yes. I don't expect a lot of Harlem Globetrotters tic-tac-toe passing on that line. Yeah. Um, I think it's too early right now, but I, I get what you're saying. It, it, it seems like an ongoing thing, secondary scoring. That's yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah, and they're not even getting a ton of top-end scoring, are they? Like, I know Marner's had some some good games, but um, we do have Keith on the power play, which we were just talking yes. about. Let's, let's, I want to let's, stick with that for a little right. while. Let's go ahead. You come out in the third period in the power play, scores you a huge goal, gets you going in the in the game, and then obviously lets you down the next time out. So that's, uh, you're torn on that one because you do want to see your power play come through in those moments, and it did uh, in the first one. And then uh, we have a chance to really take hold of the game, and, and we failed to execute on that. So that, uh, in that case, their best players were better than ours there. Um, you know, but like I said, you're, you're torn on it because they did score us a big goal. I don't know. You give up two shorties and be torn on your power play. That's pretty definitive for me. Yeah. He got asked post-game about potentially taking those guys off after you... Give up your first shorty? Yeah. It was 15 seconds in, and he bristled at it. He's like, no, 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 or whatever. You know, they just scored us a goal. Would you have ever considered stripping them off? I think it's a really good question. You know, I have no problem with him saying, you know, it happens. There are our guys. We went back with them. But not a lot of message sending to the guys. Like, we, you know, we were going to talk about John Cooper. I know Bench and his big guys. I don't know. Kept you? Yeah. Uh, it just seems that there's a whole philosophy, I think, that's driven from Kyle and and then the trickle-down effect to Sheldon is that you don't you don't browbeat these guys. You don't embarrass them. You don't bench them for prolonged periods of time. And I, I don't know whether or not it'll eventually catch up to you. And, you know, is that the difference between Cooper and... And Sheldon is that Cooper can go to Stanley Cup champions and proven character guys and still send like a really big message. And you can't send a message to that power play that gave up a first shorthanded goal. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would have. I wouldn't have put them back out there. I wouldn't have. It's again, it's, it's the Vancouver Canucks. I think the a message would have been better than even squeaking out a 4-3 win in overtime or, yeah. you know, it just, yeah. it, the, the bigger effect would be that this is unacceptable than even finding a way to come back and win. Particularly a message to the new guys. You have five or six new guys in your lineup. Like, not a bad time to say, hey, you know, we're all accountable here. Do we want to listen to John Cooper's quote now just to get a contrast for the way that Keith has gone about it? Or do you want to see no, that? No, it's good timing. Okay, let, let's listen to Cooper and get him on, you know, their team who, yeah. Yeah, as coaches, you got to put your team in the best position to win. Like, you know, 99.9% of the time, those guys give us the best chance to, to win when they're on the ice. Just felt in the third period, uh, they weren't giving us the best chance to win. And, you know, this... This team's been unbelievable for a decade, and and you, know, you take the three finals. Well, there's a reason a lot of that's happened, and we have a set of standards here that everybody adheres to, and it's not pick and choose. It's everybody, and so um, it's uh, 
saw was for today. And like I said, those those guys are extremely important part of our team. But you know, for 20 minutes tonight, it was uh, thought the other guys could get it done, and you know what, they almost did. So that was after they that was after they lost to Buffalo on Friday night, and they benched Kucherov, Stamkos, and Point. Point. He's so good. Whole period. He's so good that he can he can send that message. He can embarrass the crap out of them, and still have a big picture without totally burying them. He didn't bury them. He actually paid them a compliment Mm -hmm. somehow, some way. You bench your star players, and you find a way. To keep it real. Yeah. He doesn't bury what they've done in the past. He doesn't bury their character. He actually empowers their character mm-hmm. with his post-game comments. But do you feel differently that the Stars didn't respond? Like the next game, they went out and got shelled against Carolina. Yeah. I, I think, you know, first of all, there's no guarantees on anything. Yeah. What you want to do, regardless of, of the results, immediate results is just make sure you're consistent with that message. Mm-hmm. And I think you can't go wrong. Whether or not they responded or not, to me, is irrelevant. Yeah. You're consistent with your your theories, your beliefs, your philosophies. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is is the number one thing. Yeah. And he says you can't pick and choose. Even your star players, future Hall of Famers, you can't pick and choose. I watch the Leafs. They look like a team that picks and chooses when they want to go, when they don't want to go, when they're feeling good, when they're not feeling good. I would say that the one way that they're consistent is almost nobody ever is held accountable for poor play. Like you'd see Engvall once in a while get bumped down or pulled out. Outside of that, like almost never. And there is one instance going on right now where Michael Bunting has been dropped in the lineup. That's a rare case for me of them saying someone's not playing good enough, but Bunting's had to play kind of not great for a pretty yeah. good stretch here. See, for me, again, to draw the comparison to, say, Cooper to Keefe, is that, okay, it's it's still Michael Bunting. Mm-hmm. So find a, an equivalent to Bunting, like Hagel in Tampa. If you benched Hagel, would it raise eyebrows? No. No. So I watch Morgan struggling, guys. Morgan Riley is a star player who is struggling. Mm -hmm. You want to make a statement? Bench him. Yeah. It's interesting. He is like, we we don't talk about him a ton in that way. It's like he's just assumed to be the guy who's going to play 24 minutes regardless of his play. You know, you got 9D now. You're right. It's There's certainly the opportunity to send some sort of message. So let's follow it up with Sheldon Keefe and his comments on the play of Morgan Riley. Okay. Uh, I think I, I liked his game the other night. Um, he hasn't scored the game-winning goal, but it's his initiative to jump in the rush the way that he did in Calgary that is the difference that ends up helping us win that game. And I thought he had some good moments there. I think he's got more and, and he's got more to give. Um, and can play better, like a lot of our guys can. Yeah. He's hesitant, though, right? He's like, ah. <laughs> and it's almost as if you hear that, and he's encouraging him to jump up on the rush. I, I think his decision-making on jumping up on the rush is has not been very good all season long. Mm-hmm. It's just when, it just seems when he zigs, the play zags. 
watch one of the shorthanded goals. He, he, he wants to create motion for the sake of creating motion. Not On the for power this, play? Yeah. Yeah. Not... Not methodically and reading the tea leaves on what it could do or how it can open up. He just wants to go for the sake of going. And I, 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 for whatever reason, he's really lost his sense, I think, for, for picking and choosing. He's forcing plays that aren't there. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's, there's gotta, they're, they're going to have to find a way to get this guy going. I, there's no way that they're going anywhere without Morgan Riley playing like a guy that they wanted and envisioned when they signed him to a $7.5 million contract for, what, seven years? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, listen, he's a huge part of it. And even with the new D, it's like it all kind of hinges on him being a guy who's able to handle a big chunk of minutes. And I look back to the however long he was hurt the, earlier in the year – where they had literally their best stretch of defensive hockey they've ever played in this era of Leafs hockey. You know, now they, you know, I can't not remember that. I wonder if they would consider what we're talking about here. If you want to hold someone accountable, what would it look like if they, if Riley doesn't play and they, they're deadly defensively again, you know, probably scared of that. Give you something to think of for sure. Yeah. Not, not been great for him. So so. they got him, they got him paired with Lilligren today at practice. Right, so McCabe, Brody, Giordano, Hall, Gustafson, and Timmons out. Shen is, uh, he's having a baby, so probably his wife is doing that part of it, but he's around somewhere. Yeah, I would imagine so that's he's probably, not in the lineup. that would probably be his absence. Right. So. Lilligren, he can help Riley, don't you think, a little bit? I, no? I don't know. I, Just, I'm surprised he's been out I, for I, I don't minutes. mean to be a cynic, and, and I don't want to be negative about all this stuff, but like, I don't. You know, like, I, I, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. But, like, Riley seems to need someone to play defense for his pair because he doesn't really do it. It's a frustrating. How many messages have you gotten in the last two weeks about Riley to the wing? I have been getting that DM and that text and that message. Yeah, stop with that, whoever it's, you are. It's Enough. A, it's a classic. This is, we've done this before. Yeah. Cabriolet. To the, we should play forward. Jake Gardner should play forward. Every time the Leafs have an offensive defense and they say he should play forward. Yeah. It's a and very popular take. No disrespect to anyone, but that's like a... Morgan has to just Brent find Burns did it. his game so he Great. can look like the Toronto Maple Leaf number one defenseman. Yes, that's what they okay. need. Go move him up to the wing and then tell me who the Leafs number one, two, or three defensemen are. Yeah, make your, your number one D-man your fourth line winger or whatever. <laughs> you know... Second line winner and, if you're crazy. Okay. I just, and again, I, I know you guys, like Jake McCabe, to me, I, I like him. But I just don't know with the struggles of Morgan Riley if that was a big enough upgrade for for that blue line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like him, as you know, and and Sam does too. Um, but certainly that's within the context of expectations and what we expected from him. Not that he's suddenly going to be a guy like Eckholm, who is a, you know, a, a tentpole part of a franchise or whatever. I do, I mean, nice to have someone who will go fight a giant like Tyler Myers uh, in an instant like that. But more than yeah. that, it's jumping but, up but and playing. And My job as a general manager is to find that guy and not give up a first-round pick for him 
I mean, Kipper, we kicked around a bajillion right. names. If you could find that guy, more power to you. But we didn't have one in mind that was available. That What are you talking about? Well, outside of spending the after Ryan O'Reilly trade, they're not going to... Well, go ahead. No, you could have. You could have. Yeah, You could have found a way to go get Chikrin, too. You just yeah, chose mean, not to. Yeah. The whole idea was to spend less yeah. for McCabe and find a way to... Look after next year because he's got him at $2 million next year and not give up the assets. I think it's a salary cap thing, right? Like they, the Arizona Coyotes did not seem willing to eat any money or to take contracts back. He makes 4.6. They get McCabe for two. Like it's a matter of yeah. puzzle pieces, I well, think, more than. Yeah, but you had, you had two months to figure out the puzzle pieces. If that was, yeah. Right? Yeah, if you decide that's your not priority like for sure. The last little while. Well, but we sat here too, Kip, and said that there's a there was holes everywhere. You know, we wanted a top six forward. You yeah. wanted, I don't know, some. It wasn't going to be an all star team in the end, and maybe they made the wrong gamble I, here. I just, I think back to a week ago, today, yeah, and the excitement after at least made the McCabe Lafferty trade, and they got oh they got Ryan. It's just a lot of curse and. Crap and Leaf fans deal with more than anything else conversations going on in the past couple days. I also think if we're sitting there's in some, here listen, at, after the Calgary game. I'm not usually this guy. Yeah. But. <laughs> listen, it's going to be a roller coaster from here on end because we, we know what it's like in this market. They lose. It's the end of the world. They win. Plan the parade. There's no in between. I was getting texts after the first period against the Canucks about how this is the, what the Leafs fans have always wanted the Leafs to be. They had just rolled the flames. They looked great in the first against Canucks, I thought. And people are going, they can score. They can hit now. They've got edge. They're fun to watch. And two periods later, and it's meltdown city. So I'm not full panic on the Leafers here. Neither am I. Yeah. At all. Not even close. They find a way to have an incredible effort tomorrow night against New Jersey, which they're no rolling. Ryan O'Reilly, they're no rolling. Tavares. I, I mean, we know they're overwhelmingly against it tomorrow night. Like they have no business winning tomorrow night. If they somehow find a way to muster a, a, a character effort without even needing to win the game. But this team is fast, New Jersey. Yeah. And I think they can win some people back coming off of uh, that game Saturday night. But yeah, it's a good spot they're for gonna them. Have to, they're going to have to... They have, have to man up here Tuesday and tomorrow night. Uh, for sure. I think a lot of where the sky is falling comes from is that a lot of Leafs Nation is sick of seeing the top guys not perform against bad teams. Like, this is another situation I put in the lineup here, but, like, the rec- we're updating the worst stat in the world. Records versus the NHL's bottom six teams this season. Bruins, 10-1-0. Lightning, 10-0-2. Leafs, 5-5-2. It's just like when you constantly play down to your opponent when you're supposed to be a cup contending team, people get pissed off, and rightfully so. Yeah. Like Saturday night, you know, it doesn't really change my, you know, overall thoughts on if they can beat Tampa in the first round or whatever. Like I I have no idea. But it just sucks to watch them lose to a crappy team when you've made all these moves and it still looks the same. Yeah. That's what sucks. And I think it's fair for people to be feeling pissed off. Like, it's not the end of the world, like I said. But it's annoying that they always do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Despite okay. the loss Saturday night, 
We've got Matt Murray back in net. So I'll throw this out to both of you real quick here. Give me a quick answer. Who's the goalie tomorrow night? Samsonov. I think it'll probably be Samsonov, but I wouldn't mind it being Murray. You? Not as easy and quick on a decision after I saw Matt Murray Saturday, and I, I thought he was really good. Mm-hmm. I thought he gave him a chance. Didn't have too many opportunities uh, on goals that I thought went in. They were yeah. like perfect shots, uh, two-on-ones. Yeah, the one breakaway goal. I didn't love his whatever, but it's a but breakaway goal, so he, I'm not going to blame him. Who's the one? Who's the two-on-one where he got the, the toe on it? I know he didn't. Willainen didn't finish. Willainen didn't get the puck up, but yeah. even to put yourself in a position, I think, to have a, a leg over there. Yeah. Um, I Listen, he, he as long as he's healthy, he's going to keep himself in the mix, I think, here. Whoever plays best in the next six weeks will start game one. Okay, Not even. it didn't feel like that a week ago. No, it was it Samsonov. It didn't. 100% it felt like Saturday that. Saturday night may have changed a little bit of a feel on goaltending. A lot of it for me is just, can he be available? Like, because, you know, when they're both healthy, they were both very good pushing each other, share, sharing the load. I don't even mean the next six weeks, the last three weeks, whoever's better. See, uh, oh, I was just going to say, I mean, there's a part of me that wants to throw Matt Murray right back in there tomorrow night. But then if you factor in... I want to see that too. His last start and Wall was in there, and then they don't play again till Saturday. It's now in the really Gotta extended. Get enough. It's it's an extended uh, uh, time frame. We were for, worried about Samsonov's time. Yeah, you know the amount of games he was playing, though. Yeah, so. but you don't want to. You don't want him too far away from a next start, right? So I, that might be the only reason they want to get Samsonov back in there. But I, I thought, I thought again, if. All things being equal, and you just assume that Matt Murray's healthy. That was the type of effort that says, "Okay, this is why we got him." Mm-hmm. To me, that was by far the biggest positive from that game on Saturday night. Is that he got through that game, made some great saves, like you said, but not even on the stretch. Just like looked solid. Puck was hitting him like he was moving around well. The fact and guys crashed in his net a little bit. He had to really push off from both sides. He looked like a healthy NHL goalie, and he played pretty well. And they hung him out to dry on those two shorties. I'm not going to kill him much for those ones. But that, to me, is by far the biggest positive from Saturday night. Yep. No, he looked good. That's uh, but uh, here's the, thing. the right direction. I, I don't tr- trust it at all. No. In terms of health. Like, I don't, I don't know how anyone could. That's, like, that's the whole thing with us talking about the trade deadline and talking about getting a goalie. Sure, he looked great on Saturday, and I'm really excited that he did, and it's really hopeful that he can keep going, but this man gets hurt in morning skate. Well, a pulled groin or rolling over that high ankle sprain, he had plenty of opportunity to do that Saturday night. Feels like it's on a knife's edge. On a couple of those stretches. I know. Listen, I'm excited and happy. (laughs) You seem time thrilled. But there's been a track record here, (laughs) is all I'm getting at. The only thing is, again... Shorthanded, you put Samsonov in there, he gets blown out tomorrow night. I would worry about his psyche a little bit. Yeah, I just feel like you can't protect him though. Like you gotta if you can't handle it, then we need to know that you can't handle it. Like go play the games. We're not you know, you're gonna have to play in Tampa Bay. I thought that's what sixty three games were for. 
Well, Already. so then why skip this one? You know, why say he's not able to play this one for his fragile psyche? We don't know yet. I'm you throw him into the fire so I, you do know. I like I like Murray again tomorrow night. I'm on Team Murray for tomorrow night. Get him back in. Yes. There. Get him back in there. Yeah. See what happens. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Jim Ralph, Toronto Maple Leaf Radio color analyst and a good friend of the show. He's going to come back uh, after the break. Tell us what uh, life with Ryan O'Reilly will be like for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll also get his thoughts on on Matt Murray and his effort Saturday night. In the next hour, Ian Mendez is going to come back. All of a sudden, Ottawa Senators, mm-hmm. one of the hottest teams. They're great, I guess. Could it be possible that Ottawa catches Tampa Bay? <laughs> Don't say it. Don't say Chuck it. Chuck. We'll ask. I, I was about to leave. I was about to leave to go take <laughs> a, go to the washroom, but I came back because Why? I heard if I would honestly, this is going to sound crazy, but playing an ice cold Tampa team versus a red hot Sens team that's going to come in, I might rather take Tampa than that Sens team. Out of his mind. You, you He's held, out of his mind. You held a piss to come back and say <laughs> that. You know why? Because the Leafs have found new ways to disappoint their fans. <laughs> <laughs> losing he, he, losing yeah. to an upstart Ottawa team in the first round would be the worst nightmare. thing in the world. I think you'd genuinely lose a lot of fans. Okay. Anyways. Take, take your headset off. Go I'll go take a now. leak. We're going to come back. Plenty more. Real Kipper and Bourne. Right. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Toronto Maple Leafs getting ready to get right back into it tomorrow night in New Jersey. Waiting on Jim Ralph. He'll calm everybody Robinson. down. Is that right? Yeah, okay. for sure. Okay. He's the he's the voice of reason. Soothing. Has anyone ever called you tones. that before, Ralphie? The voice of reason. Um, not in either marriage. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Been quite the roller coaster, eh? Since the big trades for the Toronto Maple Leafs, everybody wants to believe they're better, deeper, tougher couple of hiccups in Edmonton and Vancouver now. Uh, how long is it going to take without Ryan O'Reilly now for for the rest of the team to prove that they are deeper uh, despite uh, the broken finger for yeah, O'Reilly? I, I think you got to I think you got to give it a couple of weeks. I mean, the Rangers lose two in a row with Patrick Kane in the lineup. Uh, I mean, right now, Dmitry Orlov and Shane Goss's bear look like the best pickups. And I don't know if we're going to be saying that. You know, for all these teams, that uh, by the time you hit the playoffs, so you know that uh, I, I think disappointing because um, you know the Vancouver game. You thought I know Joe and I said uh, just at the start of the broadcast that you know you hope the headlines aren't same old Leafs. You know, after the game in Vancouver, and I know that's the consensus, but I think you know when when you make so many changes, um, to expect that everything to click and be rolling right away is. It's probably a little bit unrealistic. And so, you know, we start kind of going around the, the Leafs roster and going who's looking good, who's looking not as good. They got uh, Alex Kerfoot up with Matthews and Marner. Um, Bunting has been bumped down to the old Holmberg and Steve's line. What are your thoughts on what's going on with those, with the wing position? Yeah, well, I, I, I think it sort of stays in with what Sheldon Keefe was saying, you know, when they made the deals that he wants to experiment and try all kinds of different combinations. So, but, um, you know, obviously with O'Reilly out of the lineup, 
um, you know, you're going to have to be a little more creative and, and trying to solidify things. Although Keith did say that he thought that, um, I think it was in the Vancouver game, that he thought Kerfoot was one of their better players and that uh, he had been better than Bunting of late. So I think uh, it's not quite benching your, your top three forwards in the third period like Tampa did. But it's, um, you know, it, it probably sends a message that there are certain expectations if you play with certain players. Ralphie, when when you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and all that talent, and you just assume that, okay, maybe it's not McDavid, but certainly it, it should be one of those power plays that every team looks at and says, boys, we got to stay out of the box. We got to take any dumb penalties. They're, they're going to bury us. And some nights it looks that way, and then some nights it looks like the power play is burying themselves. And that, that happened Saturday night. I, what do you make of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, when you watch the highlights and you watch Boston, how they scored in the power play or Tampa when they're on, it's all these seen passes that get through. And that, I like the Tavares goal in Vancouver Saturday. And uh, you don't just, you just don't see that many opportunities that, uh, that are like that, where you've got, you know, either the little bump pass in the middle where Braden Point uh, seems to score all those power play goals. Uh, I think the one thing that, that has always hurt the power play is there hasn't been that big shot, the big one-timer. You know, whether it's Ovechkin, Kucherov, Stamkos, um, you know, Pasternak, guys that, that make a living off that on the power play. So, uh, to me, it just seems that if that threat's gone, then that all teams do is take away the scene pass. And that's, uh, to me, what the Leafs seem to have troubles, uh, troubles with. Is they, you know, struggle to, to get that guy in the perfect spot. And there's a lot of outward passing or outside passing uh, to try to find it. But, you know, without that big blast, and you might have to go back to, well, whether it's Dion Phaneuf or, or Brian McCabe, um, that far back to when the Leafs had that weapon. Ralphie, what are your first impressions of the three new defensemen for the Leafs? you got Jake McCabe, Luke Shen, and Eric Gustafson. Um, McCabe and Shen, I think, have been really good. Uh, Gustafson, I don't think... You've noticed as much. Um, you know, obviously, I think because of the familiarity with Luke Shen, you're watching him a little closer. But, um, you know, you like the fact that McCabe jumps in after the Myers hit on Tavares. Um, you know, Shen, I, I think you know exactly what you're getting and he's delivered. So, but I, I think they're they're going to get better as well, Borny. You know, yeah. it's, uh, now, now, Kipper, you ever get traded midseason? Uh, beginning of the season to the Rangers, at end of October, um, but not not necessarily late. Okay, but but what was it like for you uh, to acclimate yourself and the new teammates and everything? Because I mean, I got sent down mid season, but I never I never got traded. So I know, I know the disappointment that went with that. But I'm just wondering, from your standpoint, how difficult is it moving to a new organization? Yeah, I, I think I think it takes some time for sure, and. If you've been around long enough, there's always like two or three guys that you know either you've skated with in the summer or you kind of just lean on a little bit more than others. But come on, I got traded to a, a room that I've, I've never I never met Mark Messier before or or Kevin Lowe, future Hall of Famers, uh, arguably one of the best teams in the history of hockey out of Edmonton. I mean, it was incredibly intimidating. Yeah. No, so, how long did it feel for you? And, and uh, this isn't being smart; it's more of a yeah. curiosity. Yeah, I mean, before you felt weeks, like you definitely. Uh, you know, uh, four weeks. 
six weeks when yeah. you could really yeah. feel like you could be yourself around these yeah. guys? I have to say that. Yeah, that's probably what it's going to take for these guys as well. I mean, the uh, you know, um, McCabe uh, you know comes in with Lafferty, and they haven't even been to Toronto yet uh, to see the you know the practice facilities or where they're going to live. And imagine it's going to be hotel life for the rest of the season. So, I think you know, even though everybody wants that instant karma and everything to connect, um, you know, I think there's there's that human element that uh, it's going to take a while before you're, you know, your actual brothers and you're in the, uh, you know, the same mindset and have the same goals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That That is a, an area. You want to peak at the right time, they always say, and this does not, this is not necessarily the time you want to peak. And let's face it, Toronto and Tampa Bay, both not peaking right now, but they did get Matt Murray back. What were your thoughts on his first uh, return to the crease in six weeks? Uh, well, I mean, I, unfortunately, I mean, um, they only gave up what twenty twenty two shots, something like that. So the yeah. save percent doesn't look good. Uh, it dings the goals against the average up a bit. Uh, but he ended up, you know, on his shots faced way more odd man rushes than uh, than Demko did. I think, other than what was it, the Nylander breakaway in the first period, Leafs didn't have a lot off the rush. And uh, you know, I, I thought he was solid. Um, you know, I, I think uh, you know Patterson's goal. You know, a little shoulder deep, and then everything opened up down low, and he just stuffed it five hole. If, if you get another big save there, and that's, you know, asking a lot um, after he stopped the two on one, the breakaway in the second period. Yeah. But if you get another save, you probably get something out of the game. And uh, But first, first game back in a couple of months, I, I thought he looked okay. We're talking to Jim Ralph, Toronto Maple Leaf color analyst. Uh, Ralphie, you've covered this team for a long time, you've seen Morgan Riley right from being drafted uh, to where we are today when he's at his best, what works for him? And when he struggles, uh, what doesn't work for him? I think it's the both. Uh, I think it's decision-making, you know, you know, you see, you know, he makes the right play jumping on the plane Calgary and, and ends up setting up the winning goal by yarn crook. And, you know, then you see some, some poor decisions. Now, uh, I think if you go back to the the twenty goal season he had, um, I'm pretty sure Ron Hainsey was his his you know defense partner for most of that season, and um, that, that's why I, in my mind, if I remember that correctly, you know Luke Shen might be the better compliment for him, and uh, you know they have had time on the ice together, but um, you know I I think you need a stay at home guy, and uh, you know a lot of times too the forwards have to be more aware of when Riley jumps up into the play. You know, there's, there's got to be better communication there as well. But uh, to me, it comes down to decision-making. You know, sometimes, you know, it's uh, well, when he he does the right thing at the right time, everybody says, boy, what a great offensive defenseman he is. And, you know, when the decisions are bad and they end up in your net, you're saying, what is he doing jumping up into the play? You know, when you got a one-goal lead or you're tied in the third period and, and I think that's, um, you know, the balance that he struggles with sometimes. So we've seen them try to get all the new D in at once, going 11 and 7 a couple times in a row. Do you think that's a viable option for them in playoffs, given they have 9 D? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think, and I, and I am coaching staff the same. You know, you want to uh, get guys on regular shifts. And, 
you know, I, I think it might have been more just to, to get all the defensemen, get some reps in and, and make uh, some assessments. But I think Luke Shen himself, he was, I think, 10 minutes the first game against Calgary and then up a little bit, 12 minutes against Vancouver. Um, you know, for guys that are used to 18 to 20 minutes of ice time a game, I think it can get difficult on them. But, you know, they come in and they've got three three games and four nights right away. So I guess you you understand it to a certain extent. But I think uh, I prefer the little more traditional approach of uh, 12 and 6 once you hit the postseason. Would you give Mark Giordano a day off? No, let me rephrase that. Would, would yeah. you force him to take a day off? Yeah, I think I would. You know, I think he, uh, I mean, he's been fantastic. Uh, I just think that, uh, you know, the, all the extra minutes he played early in the season with the uh, with the injuries they had and everything else, um, you know, I just think a uh, 38-year-old body could, you know, use a little bit of downtime uh, getting to the postseason. So, uh, but you're right. That, that might be a tough conversation to tell him that you want to take him out of the lineup for his own good. Uh, but that that might be a rather um, fiery conversation to have. What have you made of uh, Sheldon Keefe's ability to handle sort of the new lineup, the new guys, the way they've gone out introducing everyone, putting O'Reilly in the top line, 7D, and all that sort of stuff? Well, it looked great in Buffalo. Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's when you're going... I remember going in that game, going, oh, I don't know if you like, uh, you know, wouldn't you prefer him in your third line? And then he's got uh, three in the first period and you're going, yeah, no, that's, uh, that was the right call. <laughs> so it, uh, but like he said, I mean, Keith said, you know, and this was right from the, the, the trade to get uh, O'Reilly and Achari um, right off the bat, said we're going to do a lot of experimenting. So it, um, I, I never really looked at anything as, as being set in stone, but, sort of a, you know, a fun time to experiment and see what clicks and what doesn't. Ralphie, coming off uh, that game Saturday night in Vancouver, it, it, is the wish list uh, good for, would, would Sheldon, Sheldon be looking forward to the challenge of, of facing a New Jersey team, probably the fastest team in the league right now, uh, without the likes of O'Reilly or Tavares? Like, would you welcome that or would you be almost nervous about an outcome? <laughs> Coming off uh, a tough loss in Vancouver. Well, I'm, I'm not going to pat myself in the back, but I said before the game in Edmonton, I said to Joe, I said, I can feel a blowout coming. <laughs> you know, it's just because of all the all the changes were made and the excitement. I said, this is going to be like 7 o'clock on Christmas Day for the kids, you know, where everything's starting to wear off. All the newness and you got to uh, readjust mentally. But you know what I would do on Tuesday is, um, if, if Joe Wall's still with the team, I'd, I'd start Joe Wall. Really? Interesting. I, I really liked him in the game in, uh, in Calgary. I know he didn't get a lot of shots, but he looked square. His rebound control was great. Um, his positioning was good. And, you know, with the, with the health of Murray, and, you know, if you have any question marks about Samsonov, I know they didn't go out and make a deal for a goaltender at the deadline, but I'm thinking, is this, you know, is this possibly Felix Potvin, you know, or, you know, even go Jordan Biddington or, or whoever, but somebody that, you know, might be able to, to get hot at the right time and, and mesh nicely with that team. You, um, you know, this is an option, but I'd, I'd really like to see him play. I think so far he's had, what, Columbus, Montreal, and 
Uh, now Calgary's was only three starts. Uh, I'd love them to see them play against a, a team like New Jersey. You really think with 19 games to go, there's a chance that you can have all three guys feeling good enough to think that they can go in there and win? No, I'm thinking you just need one. <laughs> you know, as long, and who is that? As long, who as is long that, as Ralphie? You can find the right one. But like I said, I mean, it's, uh, you know, they, uh, they've only got one game this week. But, uh, you know, you get to the point, you know, later on in the month where you're playing a lot of games. And, uh, you know, you might be able to uh, to fit it in that way. But uh, I was just really impressed, you know, with the, with the way he handled himself and, and the boys in confidence. And, and he got better every game. You know, he lost to Columbus and then he's given up now, what, one goal in his last two starts. So that's one of those things. So like I said, you know, the Jordan Biddington story was so great. He wasn't expected to be the guy, you know, when, when he gets called up and St. Louis goes on a roll. Uh, but that's all you need is that, that one guy to, to catch fire for you. Let me ask you a question about a different team here. The Tampa Bay Lightning struggling. We, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the sitting of the top guys, but I'm more interested in just kind of what's going on. You've got five straight losses, 27 goals against over that time. Do you make anything of it? Should Leafs fans get all excited? <laughs> no, I, I think. <laughs> uh, no, I if, if that's uh, let's hope that uh, the excitement isn't just about Tampa losing in March, <laughs> you know, the, uh, uh, I will say this. I mean, they're, they're too good a team. You know, they've been, that, that group has been through enough adversity and, you know, they win a cup when Stamkos plays one playoff game. I mean, they're, uh, they face their share of adversity. So I think, uh, you know, maybe you'd want to start game one tomorrow. Uh, but for the most part, I think they'll be fine. Although I, I did in, in talking to my son about it, um, you know, after the benching Saturday in Buffalo, I said the key is usually the next game, you know, how they respond. And uh, four shots out goal in the first two periods made you kind of think, you know, maybe maybe there's problems a little deeper than than what we're privy to. Yeah. Ralphie, really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this, pal. Well, I got nothing to do, but thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Ralphie. Getting ready for the big Jersey Leaf tilt tomorrow night. Jim Ralph, radio color analyst for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay. He wants Wall in. Yeah, he does. Now, he was hurt a good portion of this season. Last season, he was hurt. A good Last portion. season, he yeah, was. I think he's been fine this year. He's been fine this year. Yeah. But he's played 18 games total this season. That's not many. Nope, not at all. It's seven for the Leafs and I think maybe 11 for the Marlies, if that math adds up. Why? I just think he has been up and down, backing up here at times, getting in sometimes. See, I... Maybe there's some injury in there. And I haven't seen a lot of him, but I can tell you he's quieter than Samsonov for me. I like him too. I I just feel like it's too late to be like... Let's hope we hit a, you know, like hope the mystery box becomes Marty Broder. It just feels, I, I'm not saying he's not going to be <laughs> something. Mystery but, box. Well, that's it. That's, that's why people are excited about him. They're like, yeah, I'm worried about these two. Maybe this guy is. I definitely, uh, to Ralphie's point, find another start or two for him. Just in case. Well, what if he's, what if he's great? I guess that's good. Yeah, that's good. Then the leash becomes shorter for others. 
Yeah. Just in case Murray, I don't know, sprains something, eating cereal (laughs) in the morning. I have had a lot of people, so I have been, I would say on this show, I have been the biggest skeptic of the goaltending, at least in Murray's case. Um, so I've got a lot of messages about Wool and like his AHL numbers and how great he's been for the Leafs so far this year. And my, my hesitance is just, I don't want to put this whole thing you've built on a guy who's never felt the pressure. He's never played in the league aside from seven starts. Just too much for me. It's a pressure cooker. A lot for bending him too a few years ago. Ah, St. Louis is... I know. I'm they were just, the worst team in the league, and they got hot. I'm was, just throwing no, spaghetti on I, the wall I, the, here. It's not impossible. It, it has happened to that the point. The Leafs have two NHL goalies. Yeah. That's how better, I see it, Probably too. better than Wall. But maybe. But maybe. Um, so, could it be that, that the guys in Tampa are kind of taking it on the chin for a... And Doug McLean mentioned it last Friday. Vasilevsky has not been good. Mm-hmm. And... Continue. You've learned... Oh, please. Every time I we, mention it, all, you're like, don't believe we've it. All, we've all learned not to be an idiot here and underestimate him. But... And and you know the other one is Sturkin. Remember uh, lifetime goals against save percentage of like 935 mm-hmm. KHL, NHL, and then looks awfully human at 910. Yeah. It makes a big difference to what the Rangers are uh, when they just have average goaltending, you know? Like they're loaded offensively, but from from Sportsnet stats, um excellent Twitter follow. The most goals against per game among NHL teams currently in a playoff spot. The Kings are first at 3.34. Oilers, second at 3.31. Penguins, 3.19. Kraken, and then the Tampa Bay Lightning with 3.808 goals against. I haven't gotten buried. I actually got in a scrap with David Amber about this uh, earlier in the week. Did he kick your ass? Because I've seen his muscles. You You fought him? Jesus, how are you okay? I actually, you know, DA, if you're listening, I don't know who would win in a fight between us. I know DA can bench me several times, but. Wow, you're challenging DA to a fight? He's one of those guys, Amber, where he looks really tough, but he's not. (laughs) Whoa. DA, taking it on the chin here. I will not agree with that. Um, Um, But hold on. I just wanted to say the verbal spat that we had was that I mentioned the the Tampa Bay D pair, which we've talked about in the show. Right now it's Hedman Perbix. Okay, Bogosian and Sergachev, you know, great. And uh, Flurry and Cole, Hayden Flurry yeah. and Ian Cole. You know, it's, I'm not saying they're going to be Tampa or Tampa's bad. Uh, I'm saying if that was the Leafs D, you'd go, boys, I don't know about. Uh, my lips are sealed, young man. And they have not replaced Ryan McDonough, who is really good for them. Yeah, and they tried to get another D-man at the deadline by all accounts, and they just didn't have the assets. You know, we. I'm just saying, Boy. we would be frustrated here Ju- in Toronto. Janot really did a numbered old. Right? Was it Riley? Was Stillman? What's Stillman's first name? Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Like, oh, Janot. You, you, <laughs> you bring in Whoopsies. Hagel. You bring in Hagel for Palat, who's by the way really good for them too. Palat was. Oh yeah, and he's good for steady, right? Like now had Jersey. Clutch. Yeah. Jersey will benefit now from here on in. He's healthy. He's back in the lineup. Platt 
is going to bring so much to that team, yeah, I think, Platt down the stretch. Yeah, are pretty significant. But they are significant. Players for them. And if Vasilevsky wants to be not the best goalie in the world, that would be helpful for the Leafs. But, yeah, the Leafs got to get it sorted out themselves. I'm just saying the other team is not perfect. Just, uh, before we go to break, boys. Looks a little bit more balanced today, though. Does. Um, before we go to break. Yes. Just got to get some contest stuff in here. Ooh, do it. What do you got, Sammy, for us? Are I we eligible? First time this year. Can I win yeah. tickets? No. So it's <laughs> you the... Can't. You cannot. You could probably just buy them, Kip. Uh, the Molson Canadian wants to give you and a friend the ultimate hockey fan experience through their Molson Canadian rivalry train contest. This includes a round-trip train fare from Toronto to Ottawa to see your Leafs take on the Sens April 1st, their first-round matchup against the Ottawa Senators. This will include food and beverage at the game as well as an overnight hotel accommodation. Mm. To enter, all you have to do is tune into the real to Real Kipper and Bourne every day this week and listen for the code word, then text 59590. Today's code word is... Whale's vagina. <laughs> Today's code word is Molson. Text Molson to 590 right now for your chance to win. We have another code word for tomorrow's episode, so be sure to tune in. And, of course, you must be 19 years of older or old, older to enter. Can awesome. I, can I pick the code words this week? You clearly cannot. I'm going to say <laughs> no. No, no, All no, right, no. well... We're going to bring Ian Mendez after the break, and he's going to tee up Ottawa for those tickets. Love it. All of a sudden, Ottawa Senators. On fuego. On fuego. Yeah, they, uh, what are they? I mean, they've won five in a row, but it's been going on longer than that. They're now three points out of a playoff spot. I know there's some games. They shouldn't have traded traded Philip Gustafson, though. That was a bad move. Ever since Brady Kachuk single-handedly uh, killed Detroit's season. Yes. Yeah. He they're, did. They're talking a lot about ownership in Ottawa. Brady Kachuk's not the owner of the Detroit Red Wings. He is. He uh, yeah. Detroit just battered, just got beat up by Philly last night. They're cooked. Brady did it. So how about uh, Tim Stitzel? Oh, my God. What a player he's turned into. No, he's in the elite fun to watch group. It's like him <sighs> and Makar and like some of those guys that are just so fun to watch. Most talented centerman in Ontario, you think? How dare you? <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> Sammy, did he pass Austin? No. Oh. Good Lord, no. Okay, we'll ask Ian Mendez. Let's go to break. Come on. All right, all right. Go take another leak, Sammy. Ian Mendez, after the break, you're listening and watching on YouTube, Real Kipper and Born. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Don't look now. The Ottawa Senators. Won five games in a row and are just three points out of the last playoff spot in the NHL Eastern Conference. Let's welcome in Ian Mendez, who predicted this right from the start. Knew it was coming. Right? Him and Pierre Dorian, the general manager, knew they were going to play meaningful games this time of year. Ian, is that right? That's right. Don't, just don't go back and read any of my articles or tweets from the last uh, six months, and we'll go with your theory that uh, that I was always optimistic here. So, 
Let's before we get into uh, early returns of uh, Jacob Chikrin uh, in the lineup, just the whole vibe in Ottawa. It just seemed like from the moment that there was a, a, a potential for new ownership right up until the trade deadline, man, I, how far do you have to go back for this level of excitement in the nation's capital? Yeah, like, I mean, look, obviously opening night of this season, there was a tremendous amount of excitement because it was Claude Giroux's first game and there was, you know, Alex DeBrink that was coming to town and they had Daniel Alfredson drop the puck. And, like, there was definitely excitement, but, like, that was more rooted in, I guess, just excitement to turn the pages and, like, and not really necessarily rooted in anything you saw on the ice. What we've seen in the last few days is something entirely different, and I don't think we've seen it really since that uh, incredible run to Game 7 of the Eastern Final in 2017 where fans are legitimately engaged in the on-ice product. I'll tell you, I was there Saturday night, and uh, I mean, and it was very spontaneous. It was very organic, but they started chanting, we want playoffs. And I mean... <laughs> Guys, if we're having this conversation last week, like last Monday, I don't even think this was on anyone's radar. We, I wouldn't have in my wildest dreams have imagined seven days ago them doing this. But you know what? They beat Detroit in those two straight games. Then they went to the Rangers and beat them. Then they beat Columbus, and they added Jake Chicken. And all of a sudden, uh, like you said, Kipper, like they're three points out of a playoff spot. Like it feels like it's possible. And, and so there's just a tremendous amount of excitement in – the marketplace and uh, you know fans have been waiting basically six years for this type of optimism Ian how much of getting Chikrin was you know I'm just listening to all the different stories from other teams the deadline it sounds like it fell apart with this team on you know with Chikrin because of whatever reason and you go it feels like all these teams had a reason how much of Chikrin uh, going to Ottawa was that he fell to them like they took advantage of some good fortune versus going out and pursuing getting someone high-end like that well, it's a great point, right? Because I think at the end of the day, and I'm sure the two of you have been speaking about Jake Checker and being available for, you know, weeks and months. Uh, I, you know, if you listen to, you know, virtually any station, read Elliot's 32 Thoughts, whatever. Um, it has been Jacob Checker and watch. And the feeling was, well, it's going to take two, maybe three first round style assets. So when, when Ottawa got him and really they gave up a first and essentially two second round picks, Yes, I think the feeling is Jacob Chikrin fell into their lap because um, if, if you go back and look at kind of what Arizona probably wanted, and Pierre Dorian came out and spoke about this on trade deadline day. He's like, Ridley Gregg's a non-starter for me. We're not moving Ridley Gregg. And so I think Arizona was probably thinking, yeah, we can maybe get a first in Ridley Gregg and, and we'll do that. Pierre Dorian you know, held firm on his price. And I think the other thing that really helped Pierre was this was a whole game of musical chairs, right? And, you know, once kind of Boston got their guy and Edmonton got their guy and you start to go down the list of, you know, who was potentially in the running for Jacob Chikrin, you know, Gavrikov ends up in L.A. And, and all of a sudden it's a game of musical chairs and all the other seats are taken up. And there's Pierre Dorian standing there like, hey, I've still got a need for a defenseman. I don't have to retain salary uh, you, or you don't have to retain salary on Chikrin. I'm not going to send you, send you a dead contract. And I think the key too, guys, they traded the key to Zaitsev to Chicago about a week before that deal. And I think that's important. I almost think you have to fold that in on the return on Chikrin. It's, it's Nikita Zaitsev and a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick that they had to staple to him to get rid of him to Chicago to kind of 
give themselves some flexibility cap-wise for next season to absorb chicken. We're talking to Ian Mendez, senior writer for The Athletic, based in Ottawa, covering the Senators. Uh, like, you, There's no question asked when it comes to whose team this is in Ottawa, is it, after watching what Brady Kachuk did against Detroit? No, you know, it, it is, it's one thing, you know, I think, and again, this is, this goes back to last Monday. So seven days ago, we weren't sure they had two big games against Detroit. How are these going to play out? And, you know, I thought, okay, if they can try and win both these games, ideally in regulation time, maybe they'll have a chance. It's not that they won those games. It's the manner in which they won those games and the manner in which Brady Kachuk pulled this group along. And, you know, they've started using the hashtag in Ottawa, the fans have, that is, of who wants it. And the who wants it is an homage, a ping kind of homage to Brady Kachuk at the end of, what, I think it was the second period of the first game. Uh, he was real upset with the, with the Red Wings. He basically, this was like, you know, the old, the, the stuff you'd see in the 70s and 80s where, you know, I don't know it's like Stan Jonathan and those, those, those old tough guys, the Bruins, they go to the other team's bench, they're like, who wants it, right? And they kind of challenged the, the entire team's other bench. Brady Kachuk kind of went by the Detroit bench and was yelling, who wants it? You know, which one of you wants this? And it was like, it was, it was really eye-opening to see him kind of do that. And, you know, he responded. He also scored a goal in that, uh, I believe, in that game. Anyway, it was a kind of signature moment. And I think it kind of gave you a window on what the Brady, the playoff Brady might be, which is really not that much of a stretch of what regular season Brady is. And it was just this sort of definitive moment that I think Ottawa realized that, you know what, we sweep these guys. We, we demoralized them. I and in some ways, it kind of set the direction for what both teams did in and around the trade deadline, right? Ottawa adds chicken, and it kind of felt like Detroit really became a seller after that, uh, that two-game set. You know, I look at the roster, you know, I, I think they know going into the season it wasn't a cup season. There's still some holes up front. But you look at that back end now. Shabbat, Zub, Sanderson, Hamannick, uh, Chikrin, Brandstrom are the pairs as listed on Daily Faceoff. Like, that's, that's pretty competitive around the league. Um, I am, what do you think the offseason looks like for the Sens here to kind of shore up this team and, and push them to the next level? Yeah, you know what, uh, Justin? I think the only thing, the, the biggest question mark on this team in terms of the raw, well, I guess two questions. One is, what do you do with Alex DeBrincat? He's going into his option, kind of his option year, last year of his deal, RFA, you know, he's qualified. But the goaltending is, I think, the, the other big thing. Because, look, Jacob Chikrin now gives them what they believe, and I think a lot of us believe, is four legitimate uh, high-end defensemen. Chikrin, Jake Sanderson, Artem Zub, Thomas Shabbat. I, you know, however they plug and play those guys, those are going to be your top four guys. That's a legitimate top four with most teams in the league. So the question becomes what happens in goal. I think that's the last piece now. Uh, do they have the – is it Anton Forsberg? Is it Cam Talbot? Is it Matt Sogard? Is it somebody else? And really that's going to be the last piece, and we might get the answer to that in the next six weeks, if Cam Talbot plays well enough and kind of pulls this team into the playoffs, I think a lot of fans would say, okay, yeah, run it back with Cam Talbot and Anton Forsberg next year. Matt Sogard might get, get some starts here down the stretch, make people a believer in him. So um, I think that's the last piece. I, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they might need a little bit of depth here or there uh, up, up front in the bottom six, but really uh, most of the pieces of that puzzle have kind of snapped into place, uh, save for maybe the goaltending. Ian, uh, before we went to break, asked uh, our producer, Sammy McKee, who's the best centerman in Ontario, Austin or Tim Stutzel? <laughs> you you should have seen the look he gave me. Come on now. 
it, look, I, look, the answer is Austin Matthews, right? It is because, I, look, Austin Matthews coming off a hard trophy season, and I know he's had injuries and he's not producing at the same rate that he did last year. And, look, if you had to one, win one game tonight, yeah, you're probably going to take Austin Matthews. But the the needle is pointing up on Timmy Stutzla, and I, I think what's really exciting is you're, you're seeing him produce at a, you know, what, what, what translates into roughly a 40-goal, 90-point season. He's on his entry-level deal. And the, the new deal kicks in next year. That's what's exciting. I, I think we've seen the ceiling on Austin Matthews. And that's a high ceiling, right? Like, that's 60 goals. That, that's, that's Austin Matthews' ceiling. That's a pretty darn good ceiling. And he's probably going to be a perennial 50-goal scorer as long as he's healthy for the next five or six years. You know, I don't know the ceiling on Tim Stutzler, but I think we've, we've seen that maybe the floor is 35 goals. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's, you, you don't know how high this guy can go. And, and, and really, if you look at the way his career has played out early on, even from right down to where he's drafted to his productivity, it's mirroring Leon Dreisaitl real closely. And boy, if he ever turned into a, you know, potential 50 goal guy, hundred point guy, uh, boy, that, that would, I think potentially be the ceiling for Tim Stutzler and Ottawa would have hit a, a grand slam with him at, at number three in that uh, 2020 draft. He is electric. And I imagine that is uh, exciting to any potential owners. Can't have you on without asking the obligatory question. Where is that process at in terms of figuring out who owns the yeah, Where's Ryan? Where's Ryan Reynolds? Where's Ryan? I, I, I was going to say, we can't have this segment without Kipper complaining about you. Yeah, glad we got that in. He's been quiet. Did he move yeah. on to by the Yankees no, nice or anything? you would, too. <laughs> hey, no, Ottawa, but, two small potatoes for him now, big star? No, no. He Listen, like, so today is the 6th of March, and really, this is where the bidding is, is supposed to heat up. So anybody who's had access to that data room um, has had the chance to look at the, the financials. Realistically, I think... I wouldn't be shocked by if by the end of the month we either had this thing narrowed down to one or two bidders or we, we know the identity of the, of, of the winning bid. And, and really, I don't think this is going to take too long. Like, and, but what I thought was fascinating to me is to hear Bill Daly very recently suggest that the sale price for this team could fall close to a billion dollars. Like that's, that's remarkable when you think about you know, where this team was you know, viewed – I think the public perception of this franchise and, and whatnot, even just a couple of years ago, to the idea that there might be a mini bidding war here that pushes that sale price north of 900 into the close to $1 billion range. It's going to be fascinating to watch this unfold. I just think that they've gone down the road of Ryan Reynolds so far. Like I said to you guys, I think a couple of weeks ago, I don't know how you put the genie back in the bottle, how you could have an ownership group that doesn't have Ryan Reynolds folded into it would seem like a letdown to a lot of people in this, uh, in this market in Ottawa. You, you know that looking at the financials is a waste of time. You know that there's no money in Ottawa that could support 800 to a billion dollars for an, for a franchise in Ottawa. We, we know that don't we? that you're paying a premium because there's only 32 of these and billionaires still want their toys. Yeah. Listen, I think, look, I think where the sale price becomes interesting is, uh, you know, Pittsburgh sold for what? 900 million. Uh, Close to that. Yeah. Yeah. About 900 million. Like I think if you're the NHL, you're, you're trying to get that price up to around the penguins, if not higher, because again, you're, you're, we're hearing the whispers again about, 
expansion, right? And we're hearing about, oh, is it going to be Houston? Is it going to be Atlanta? Is it going to be somewhere else? And I think if you're the NHL, you're, you're trying your best to establish the floor price for what an expansion franchise is going to be. And I think they'd love the new expansion franchise to be a billion dollars, don't you? Like, I, whatever, what, Seattle was 650 and I, I, I would suspect that the league is going to try and say, look, if Ottawa was sold for 900 or a billion, that's going to be the floor for a new owner to come in into a bigger market. That, that's my feeling on this and that, of why you might see that price uh, in, inflated as much as possible. If you sell Ottawa for 625 or 650, um, there's going to be new owners for an expansion franchise, I think probably pointing to that saying, well, if a Canadian market's only making 650, maybe we shouldn't be closer to a billion dollars. That, that's just my, 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 my feeling on the matters. That this is about trying to set the market for you know, franchises value league-wide. It is flattering to think that somebody wants to spend a billion dollars to put a team in Ottawa, but is there any worry about a trickle effect of a new stadium coming in and whether or not these owners want to recoup anything at all that maybe a, a box at 400 or 500,000 could sell in Toronto, but there's just no way that they're going to be able to sell that in Ottawa or jacking up the tickets is there any worry at all about a trickle effect in a market like Ottawa where you can't write off, you know, the, the majority of the government uh, can't write off tickets and boxes there? Is there any concern at all about that or no, nah, not really? Not that I, I want to derail all the excitement. but No, no. I no, and it's a valid question. It's a fair point. Look, Ottawa's had uh, attendance issues, right? But I think Ottawa's attendance issues have been more reflective of just a poorly run organization. Like, I, like, like for the most part, when Ottawa's played well and has been run well, the fans show up. And uh, you saw that in the early 2000s. You're seeing it again now. They're getting 16,000, 17,000. I think if they build a new arena, guys, there's going to be a lot fewer of the corporate seats because, as you mentioned, Kipper, they, we, we don't have in Ottawa the – we don't have Bay Street, right? Like, we don't, we don't have Bay Street. We don't have the big corporations setting up in Ottawa necessarily that we could have 75, 150 corporate suites, and they're all filled up. I think you're going to see a smaller arena, maybe in the 17,000 range, 16, 5, 17. But again, all of these companies or all these potential investors would have spent the last five weeks looking at these books closely. So the books that they've been looking at are the basically the ledgers, the payroll, the um, you know any sponsorship deal. Like they're gonna know. Like and, and, and these people are billionaires for a reason. They're not a billionaire because they they made some silly investments. They're they're gonna make a smart play here. And I think no one's gonna overpay just to have a toy if that toy is going to then cost them hundreds of millions of dollars just to just to have and operate. Right. I, like I think there is the feeling that this uh, this can be a profitable entity if it's run correctly, but I don't think it's been run correctly for well, certainly for the better part of five years. So I think the hope is Run it properly. Have a downtown arena, uh, and it should be. It, it should be. A, you know, I don't want to say licensed to print money. They maybe that's a little too strong, but it should be a profitable business if it if it's run properly in Ottawa. Uh, last one for me. Just you know, when, when an owner takes over a team, they look at you know what uh, assets and liabilities and all that stuff. This Jake, uh, Jacob Checker deal got to be an asset for them. Hey, what a start for him. Unbelievable start, and and I'll tell you, um, I'm sure people saw the interview the, uh, both in the pregame with Hockey Night and then uh, Kyle Bukowskis with him uh, after the game. Just genuine raw emotion, and, and, and it's rare. Again, in Ottawa, we've watched so many players over the years leave, and, and it's never because they didn't like the city. And again, it's, it's 
that the things weren't run properly. When when you see somebody say they got chills to put on an Ottawa Senator's jersey, uh, that means a lot to us in Ottawa they, because we don't have in this market. We're, we're, we're the franchise is thirty years old, so they don't have the the long runway of of a century worth of tradition and history. So you don't often hear people say, "I grew up watching the Senators," or "My dream was to play with the Senators." So we get somebody like Jake. Uh, Jacob Chickering coming in and saying, yeah, this is, I came to games as a kid in the 07 cup. And this is, you know, this, I've paid attention to this team. And it means a lot. And, and there's just this immediate reciprocal love between player and fan base that I don't think I've seen in a long time where immediately they love him. Uh, he loves them. It's a, it's a love in with Jacob Chickering. And it doesn't hurt that his first two games he's played really well, has two points. And this just couldn't have been a better fit, I think on and off the ice for, uh, for the senators. Sammy, what are we giving tickets away? March 18th? April 1st. April 1st. Well, March 18th is the first Leafs-Ottawa game, I think, with this new look, this new feel. Uh, this could truly feel like a battle of Ontario like we have not had in a long, long time. Looking forward to the stretch run for the Ottawa Senators. Ian, thanks for doing this, and uh, don't be a stranger again. You're welcome here anytime, pal. Yeah, you got it, guys. Anytime you need me, just uh, don't don't hesitate to call. We will, Ian Mendez. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm, I'm jacked for the Ottawa Senators. I really am ah, because it's so it's much better when they're way better when they're good when they're interesting. You know, but we can all pump the brakes on the team a little bit. But listen, <laughs> they're no, they're they're good. They're young, and to Ian's point, a lot of them are already locked up. It's not like you're going to put – they're not going to get painted into a corner in the mm. next little while. Right. Like, unfortunately, the Leafs did when they overspent early and then put themselves in a predicament where they could not kind of keep the back end up. Yeah. And they're still paying for it right now. This, to me, though, what the Sens are right now are exactly what you become when you're bad for a long time. Like, the Kings got to here. The Devils have turned things around and taken a step beyond that. Um, Buffalo's kind of doing it now, but then there's like that next tier of how do you do that? How do you do Tampa, Toronto, Boston? Like their blue line, but they're now into that group of teams. That's like gotten better. Their blue line is set right now. And a lot of talk around Jacob Chikrin was not necessarily of his play. Although sometimes you can, he can watch him, and he's not can let a check go in his own zone. But it was always about can he stay healthy first, mm-hmm. and if he stays healthy, he will have a great impact. He is he is he's an influencer out on the ice. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's not that I don't like McCabe; I like him a lot. Yeah, but I think realistically. He is a four, a five, and a six to me. He's not a number one or a number two. And I just think for the Leafs, unfortunately, they went and spent heavily on Ryan O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. And I just think my first priority would have probably to save my my bullets. And I don't know what kind of vibe uh, Sweeney and Kyle Dubas had on the potential of an Orlov to be available. But if you ask me, Dubas needed to outbid 
Sweeney for Orlov. Mm-hmm. Orlov is a legit one or two on the Leafs. Legit. That's a, yeah, I was going to say, that last bit you put on it was the crucial part. And on the Leafs. with Morgan struggling, yeah. a guy like Orlov could have come in and supported Morgan and Sheldon a lot more than McCabe has the ability to do it now. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's. I mean, Does I don't. That make th- sense, Sammy. It makes sense. I don't think anyone in the I, league said McCabe's better than Chikrin, or McCabe's a better fit for Chikrin, or McCabe would help them more than Chikrin. Only anyone in hockey would have said. Yeah, that. but I think the big thing here that we're talking about is the Ottawa Senators were the only team that was, you know, a contender, quote unquote, which they're not necessarily, but they're the only team that was willing to take the whole thing for cap reasons, and that was a huge priority, which. All of us have talked about Elliot pointed it the out. The other like, point, too, you though. You can understand they chose not to fit it in. Yeah, but, I mean, maybe because right. they, I mean, maybe their priorities are paying two of their biggest superstars this offseason. They don't want to worry about having a $4.5 million but, yeah. deal on the on the Well, books. then you're not all in, and we've said that they were all in. And the, the well, other think, point there, though, is that Ottawa looks, or sorry, Arizona looks at Ottawa's pick and says, okay, well, their first could be 12th overall. You know, the Leafs is going to be 28th. You know, you're not dealing... Immediately, you would have the preference to trade with Ottawa. Uh, Kip, I know your point, but, and but, I agree. But I see... Like, the listen, D would have been the, a priority for this team. I would be lying if I said that seeing what Chikrin went for, ultimately, it hurt. Like, it hurt. It's yeah. like... But the Leafs probably wouldn't have gotten that deal. Yeah. That's what Chikrin I can't... Chikrin or Orlov, I can't, if you could have picked one for well, him, Kip, I, which, which would it, I which came in be? here the day after I, they made... I, Orlov. Yeah. I think Orlov just brings well, so much. And God, he, what was first star in the NHL. First star in the NHL. What was the tweet nine I points? sent you guys? He got nine points. Most points by a defenseman in his first five games with an, their new NHL yeah. team since some dude, well, Paul Coffey in 92, 93, and he, New Zealand alone in 1917. It was actually a guy named Harry Cameron, but at that point, you know. <laughs> um, could be New Zealand alone. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, like, listen, I came in here the day after the Orlov trade happened and said if they had done that trade, to be closer than yeah. the O'Reilly trade. So I agree with you on that. Orlov Hathaway was an awesome trade for Boston, and I love that trade. But the Chikrin versus McCabe one, to me, I don't think is the same conversation. I don't think the Leafs get that trade with that price that Ottawa did. They had to move, they had to move on, obviously, because they wanted them to eat money. They didn't think they were going to be able to do it. And they moved on. But the Orlov one, to me, is a much more valid conversation if you want to have that kind of conversation. This is my perspective. Yeah. You know, at that time, you don't have Boston's pick, do you? Did they have Boston? Sandine was made by then? Either way. No, they Orlov? got it back. Yeah. No, they would, they would have had to do the 2024 first. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to play out my conversation about the Leafs playing the Senators in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> you like that, eh? You want to revisit it as a yeah, serious because, take? Well, no, because everybody, like I saw you guys were crazy. You're like, you're crazy, said, you're nuts. Listen, yeah, you are. No, listen. For yeah, the, it's for a that, long shot, Sammy. For, of course. But for that to happen, think of how good Ottawa would have to be. Yeah, yeah, okay. And think of how horrible Tampa would have to be. Were yeah. they eight yeah. points back? You're so right. Ott- Ottawa would have to get. Were they eight, eight back, we yeah. said? Of Tampa, Tampa Bay? Eight, uh, nine, nine, eleven. Oh, eleven. They're eleven back of, of and, uh, Tampa games Bay. in hand. Uh, they have sixty-two. They're at sixty-three. So they have one game in hand. 
Okay. So yeah, so they would get screaming goddamn hot. Like 18 and 2. And then uh, Tampa would go ice cold, so that is my point. Yes. So I just wanted to make sure I got that. All right. I I see that point. Thank you. And I respect it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just one note on on a potential sale that when, when you have when you have billionaires, like you just know on if 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 the Ottawa Senators do not make the playoffs, you can lose twenty to thirty million dollars. Mm-hmm. You make the playoffs, you win a round, you win two rounds, you you shrink that thirty million dollar loss into hopefully a five million dollar profit, maybe more if you get to a Stanley Cup final. But this is where it's gone: is that these billionaires now are going to look at the premium of the billion dollars comes into you're only one of 32 yeah yeah i you know i heard ian's point about that none of these guys are good businessmen and they won't the people who buy nhl or nhl teams or pro sports teams are no longer doing business they're buying fun stuff mostly you know they're not 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 that like they may lose five mil they may lose 30 mil it It is non-impactful but they are an nhl owner they don't look at it and go, yeah. I got to make the, the, the balance the sheet here or I'm broke. Like, uh, I do see what your point that it, like, this is a luxury asset to be like, that's yeah. mine. You know, why do yeah. you have a second Lamborghini? Because I can. But there will be one bean counter that they hire. Yeah. Oh, they're going to hate That will <laughs> absolutely make you pay that $25 for a. Very big beer. Yeah. No, and I see see your point where, yeah, then they say, okay, uh, we did all this, and now you know who's going to pay for it. That's right. I'm not the billionaire owner. That's right. Yeah, you're going to pay increased ticket prices Because that guy's got a bonus (laughs) that he wants to hit. His entire job hinges on the viability of the business side, whereas the owner cares less. Now, did Ian mention that, like, there's more talk about expansion? Yeah, we didn't mention that that last week, but Butchergrass all but tweeted it's happening to him. That just... That's got to be fake. That's crazy. There's no way. Come on. You the, might make the, the league if there's is water, 30 more players. The product players. is watered down as it is. Yeah, they got to expand to Canlon Arena, get hey. the zigzags in All the Pontus is going to get paid if they oh, go yeah. another couple of teams. Just uncle on the number of teams. Well, you know what? I actually think it genuinely makes the product worse, not just from a watered-down aspect, but, like, you can only follow so many teams. Like, when there's 20 teams, as a fan, you know who's on each roster and what's going on. It gets so big, it's like, wait, you know what I mean? Like, college football to me, it's like 600 football teams. I don't know who's where. It's just too much to keep track of for a fan when you're up to 34 teams. I bet they get rid of five For teams. sure. Five teams gone, imagine the league. Get yeah. rid of some teams. I Like, there's too many. Like, there's so many teams with guys that's like, I love it cares? in theory, yeah. I just, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of guys in the NHL right now that shouldn't, should be in the minors. 34 teams that sure open up a, a whole new level of talent. You, Although the top guys would really get to feast a bit more. McDavid's like, expand, make it 46. Let's go. Just beating up on AHLers <laughs> at that point. He'll be the $20 million man and everyone else is making seven fifty. Yeah. <laughs> um... I looked at the standings this morning, and I realized that the Bruins had been hot again. Oh, my God, but They've won 10 hockey games in a row. The best team in the NHL by goal differential is the Bruins at plus 105. 
They're, they're, Next best is 57. Their, their goaltending does not take nights off. You can't catch them on a bad night. No. They've lost twice at home. It's The season's over in six weeks. They've lost twice at home. They've lost eight times in regulation on this season. They've won 10 in a row. Again, up 50 goals on the next best goal 103 of a possible 124. Is that possible? Yeah, sure it is. What? They've been, they... It's going to really hurt when they lose. If anyone decides not to give, uh, what's his name, Montgomery there, the Jack Adams, like, you're overthinking it. Oh, yeah, he gets the Jack Adams. Like, yeah, yeah. he... But it's a regular season award. Yes. They're a perfect team. Like I've said before in the past. Hallmark, no playoff experience. Got a couple of guys he's injured played, right up he's until... Played, he's played he two looked games. like he's really going to get rattled in the no, first or second round? He doesn't. How many playoff games do you think he's played? Do you know? Uh, Ten. I don't know. Hallmark? Yeah, I have no idea. Kipper, do you know how many games he's played? Was he with Buffalo How before, many could so zero? he have played? Zero? He has played two playoff games. Yeah, okay. Uh, one less than uh, Ilya Samsonov. And probably two more than Jeremy Swayman, if I had to guess. I don't even know. He's, probably, he's been with the Bruins. I don't know if he's actually gotten any action. But. Yeah, he has played two games. All and right. he has let in eight goals in those two games. So, so we didn't get through all of our Leafs clips. Do we want to revisit some there, of the, what the clips do we have? stuff? We didn't hear him on Kerfoot and Bunting. We ah. didn't hear him on losing to bad teams. No, go to Kerfoot because... I've liked old Kerfoot. I'm not... Mm. Yeah. Go to Kerfoot and then we'll talk. I'd say Kerfoot's been playing better than Bunts. That's, that's, that's really it. And, uh, I thought Kerfoot was outstanding. Maybe his best game of the season uh, the other night. So um, trying to change that up a little bit. And, um, you know, just trying to change that, that group a little bit there and, and try to get a little bit more from them. Like Kerfoot, boys. Like him. He skates what? so well. He has been inflicted He's with the worst disease known to man. Just pass when you should shoot disease and shoot when you should pass disease. <laughs> it's it's infected him. He just he makes the wrong choice eighty five percent of the time. He skates great. He sure does. Oh. He skates great and he makes good like good defensive plays. Nobody can get to the wrong spot faster than Kerfoot. Yes. <laughs> It's like he's I really play- like him lately. Yeah, I thought he's, he he's playing, been playing like, really well. He should not be playing on the top line. Well, like, no. Like, no. No, but again, you know, you you want Bunting's been dog meat. He's been he's no good. Got either. a goal and two assists in his last seven games Boys, and he's not doing anything else. Like take a look at that left side tomorrow night. Look at the left wing. Read the names again to me. Kerfoot, Yarncrock, Bunting, Aston Reese. Mm. It's not bad. For what? I don't hate it. Men's league? <laughs> I don't mind it. Come on. I don't mind Kerfoot. it. I mean, a good player to me. He's a, a, ch- a second a line winger. Championship to me. team. Kerfoot doesn't see the light of day on your top six, and neither does Yarncrock. Who is going to go through anybody? Well, I, not everyone has to do everything. Neither of those guys are so your tell go-to me who guys. Is then, on I the mean, left side. Who's, the, who's going through people? Why does it have to be on the left side? Why can't it be guys going through people on the right side or in the middle or on D? So tell me who then on your first, your top six tomorrow night, who's going through anybody? Uh, your top six is has Lafferty. Matthews is a pretty strong fella. Okay, Lafferty. Okay. All right. Okay. 
<laughs> that in conclusion, yeah, it's an the issue. Leafs suck. It's an They're issue. Bad. What are we doing? No, no, it's just it's an issue. It's an issue for me. That's fine. I can I can see that it is not a strength can, can, of the team. Can Nyes come in in the last week? He is a left winger, and he is what is he six three two ten or something? Something. I am curious. To I see just what... I just wish with all this new depth, they would have found a way to not ask Kerfoot or Yarncroft to uh, be a top six. And I get it. Well, they got O'Reilly, I get it. I get so they it. didn't I know. have to. I, I get. I get. There's guys hurt. Yeah. Tavares and O'Reilly are out. I get that. But that, no, it, that, that's uh, the best of a bad situation. It is going to be interesting against New Jersey, who Timo Meyer scored in his first shift. Boy, some guys who change teams sure fit in quick. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, didn't see uh, a ton of that straight away. O'Reilly had his great game, I suppose. But Timo will come in in New Jersey and give him that, just that right uh, ingredient of looking big. Yeah, big guy, great shot, nice goal to just kick things off for them. And they're heavy. interesting. They have a, a real chance to catch Carolina. They're they're two points back at Carolina, which could punt Carolina into that two three game versus the Rangers, and all of a sudden you're New Jersey and you get Ottawa, Buffalo, the Islanders, maybe someone like that. Was and- on the weekend, you watch Dallas. I watched Dallas, big and heavy. Dallas stinks. I. They played hard on the weekend. I know that. And they've had looks the last few years yeah. in the playoffs. One got them to a final yeah, where they look big and heavy. Like the Islanders. They remind me of the Islanders and that both teams are like not great for me in the regular. By the way, Dallas is 34 and 16. They're very good. But both teams, you get in the playoffs. They give teams a hard time. They make you go through. Yeah. Like best Dallas case for the be, Leafs. Dallas be fighting for their playoff lives if they played in the East. Yeah. But, hey, let's just – if you are the uh, the Leafs, who do you want to play Boston in round one? Because you're hoping to get by Tampa. You want Boston to have a tough time. Your choices are who's Islanders. Gonna, who's going to take a piece of skin off of Islanders? Islanders. the Boston Bruins? Islanders is your choice. Islanders, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Ottawa, Florida, Washington could still do it. Florida and what Washington's you know got what hurts some, don't they? The Islanders, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but Clutterbuck's done. Is he done? I hadn't uh, I hadn't heard that if that's the case. That does hurt. And it's certainly a banger for them. They they're all hurt. I mean, I Yeah, Martin Sezikas are playing with Hudson Fashing. Ma- Matt Martin's been playing on the top line for them. They've been struggling trying to keep it afloat. He suffered a upper body injury in Thursday's 3-2 loss to the Buffalo Sabres. Who's that? Uh that's not from recently. <laughs> all right. Who's that? Uh Cal Clutterbuck, but disregard. Not from recently. I was just looking it up, and I read an article from January 25th. So I was wrong by that. I think he's. I think he's. Yeah, I think he's done. But the, the Isles do have just a lot of heavy guys in terms of Matt Martin and Sezikis, and even like veteran guys, Lee Parisi, Nelson, like they're Horvat. They play hard, play strong. Um, Pierre Engvall, right to the top line on that team, playing with Horvat and Anders Lee. Sammy for context on what the Isles are. Sammy dropped him off at Pearson. And I think uh, picked him up at LaGuardia. Yeah. I, <laughs> I haven't even thought of him since he left. Like, I not for one second will say that the Leafs miss Angle. I haven't, I haven't missed him for one second. Do you think that bunting I'll playing poorly means the Leafs him. get him cheaper? I'll tell you where Uh-oh. they miss him. Where? He actually physically looks big. Yeah, he does. He is, uh, yeah. He's a, he large, he's a large animal. That's it. Yeah. Do you yeah. Think- and he could hit the net. 
lately? Yeah, time. Here and there. <laughs> Here and there. Do you think uh, a poor bunting down the stretch helps the Leaf get him re-signed, helps them keep him? He, oh, listen, they got to get bunting going again. He, bunting, bunting is heading towards airport drive material. <laughs> Just, oh, come on. <laughs> I just want to see him. He looks a little tired to me. He, he looks like he's... He can have a nap in the car on the way. Kind of run- <laughs> Send him a black car. Hey, he he's he's been on back. a torrid pace for two years. Oh, yeah. For a guy that's never done it before. Just dying to get that paycheck so he can take a knee. No. Not accusing him of that. Just saying, man, he has been working for his money. I like that they backed off on him a little bit. Sure. Just to kind of get him recharged here down the stretch. Play on that fourth line. All right. Yep. We'll talk. We'll pick up bunting uh, talk tomorrow. All right. We've run out of time. Ian Mendez, thank you very much for making time for us today. Also, Jim Ralph. We're back tomorrow.